Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Brad. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Addison? Doing pretty good. It's been yeah. a busy couple of weeks. How about for you? Yeah, it's been. It's not near as busy or as much travel as you've had. Yeah, I've been traveling both for work and for fun a little bit. Yeah, I tried telling everybody you quit. That only went so far. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that it didn't go all the way because <laughs> I might have been disappointed coming back. Yeah, well, Glad to see you back, though. It's been too fun long. for the holidays or the week prior to that. It's been two yeah. weeks. Yeah, there's been so much going on. Big thing is, uh, went did a lot of traveling this last weekend. Went over to our hometown, Burns, Oregon, and got to see some family, which was really good. Yeah. Now I know there's that. a couple of bikes at home. Maybe not yours, but available. Did you jump on two wheels? No, no, it would have been a great weekend for it. My dad had to put the bike uh, tire back on. He'd replaced the tire on the on his uh, V-Star 1300, so okay. helped him align that and get that all put on and get the belt on. And uh, Most of the time, it was a pretty short trip, so most of the time it was just spent with family. That's good. But I did get to do something associated with bikes, so it's relative, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. So going back to... What, our conversation two weeks ago, sold the Scrambler. Yeah, Had that's an awesome. awesome transaction. Cool guy up in Seattle, met with him up there. Actually, he, he asked if I could deliver it, and we kind of worked out a way that I could do that, and met him, and had the whole bike transfer and everything uh, set up. It was incredibly smooth, super good guy, stand up, and I hope he's loving it up there. Yeah. Is he a listener? I don't know. I didn't ask. I should have. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a logical you... <laughs> question. But after after five hours in the car to get there and however many back, I wasn't uh, you know was there for business at that point. Well, because the reason why I ask is you solicited it as yeah. a slacker moto. That's true. And, and I know it's got a couple of the custom tidbits on the bike and things that he liked and was was uh, really looking for in the bike between the. Fender Eliminator kit and mm-hmm. even just the branding on the front screen and all that he was totally down with. So cool. And yeah. I imagine, you know, if he's ever in the Portland area, it'll be easy to point out that bike. I know it up and down. Yeah. So it won't it be hard to, a little bit. Yeah, it won't be hard to pinpoint it. But uh, of course, if uh, if Ed is a listener, always welcome to join us. I know mm-hmm. he does some, uh, in talking to him, does some pretty cool tattoo work up there. So I'll, I'll shout that out if anybody... Looking for work, look for Ed up there. I won't give more information for the sake of his privacy, but pretty uh, pretty stand-up guy. It was awesome transaction, super smooth, super cool. Uh, it was great. So, yeah. Yeah, got that. And now uh, I've just been hunting the the uh, nickel ads like you wouldn't believe for the oh, last three days. That's how this started. I, I come into this room to record, and we're looking at possible bikes. And yeah. It kind of sounds like the XSR is off the map. I'm really surprised by that. Maybe you could walk through a little bit of what you're really going to be getting into. I So, selling the bike was, was incredibly bittersweet. Okay. Right? I mean, the first time this guy contacted me, I, I, I didn't want to answer my phone. Okay. <laughs> and kind of thought I'd just ignore it and let it go. And then when, you know, then he called and we, we chatted and kind of, I could tell the guy's going to love it and he's going to be, I mean, he's an awesome owner for it. Sounded like me when I first bought it. Made it a lot easier to do. Uh, but after dropping it off up there, it was kind of coming back. Had a lot of time in traffic to think. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of decided that instead of buying Yamaha's custom bike, I kind of just want to get either a, a simple daily and then a 100% project mm-hmm. or a project older daily that I can make my custom bike and not Yamaha's custom bike with a couple of tidbits. I did that. That's what the Scrambler was, right? It was mm-hmm. Triumph Scrambler, a couple of bolt-on components for performance, and then otherwise a lot of aesthetics, a couple of aesthetics, aesthetics accessories. Wow, that's hard to say. It's okay. Aesthetic it. accessories, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that, that I had custom made and, and, and fabricated and made jigs so that I could recreate. But uh, but it was kind of, you know, bits and pieces. Because I was riding it so much daily that I've kind of decided to to put the money 
into the project and into the business side of it mm-hmm. as opposed to into the initial bike purchase side of it. So ideally, uh, would I love to have an XSR brand new and, and go customizing from there? Yes. But if I got one, I would not have a lot left over for the customizing. Sure. Which is the part I found that I really loved about the Scrambler. And with an yeah. older bike, you know, there's things that need to be replaced anyway. And why not do it with what I want instead of what Yamaha or Honda or whoever sells aftermarket? So I, I'm kind of coming along that idea of, of buying a project, whether that be a, a perfectly reliable daily project or a daily rider and then a project with money left over for said project. So Yeah, because, I mean, one of the things that you brought up when you first started kind of looking or, or um, looking at different bikes, you stated that one of the issues that you had with your bike is, is that it is your daily. And you didn't want to be modifying a new daily because it's hard to really get into the depth of a real project yeah. in that. So if you were to buy another bike, let's say, you kind of hinted at it. Are you thinking two bikes? Or are you thinking that the one bike you'd still find the time and be willing to tear into it and do some custom work? You know, and that, that's the hard part. I'm skirting that line of wanting to build customs but also wanting to ride. And yeah. ride a lot. You know, I'm not wanting to have a bike that I ride every five weekends and otherwise I'm creating my daily custom just to show people in the garage or at the at the bar down the road. I want something that I, I can go, you know, on our 3,000-mile adventures on. Um, and so depending on the project that I end up with and what style I want to go, and usually that's more of an older style, um, you know, it makes it not impossible, but more difficult and more stressful. So if I'm going to go with an older project, I'll probably end up with just a very basic, moderately low mild, you know, early 2000s, late 90s machine. Mm-hmm. You know, Japanese reliable automotive, you know, bike that'll just go, yeah. um, just and not touch it and just ride it to, till I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. And or that daily is completely done and perfectly reliable, and I can sell that and use the perfectly built done fully completed project as my daily after that. If I can get a perfectly reliable older machine for a good price, the problem is the older machines that are ready to go on a 3,000 mile trip tomorrow Mm -hmm. are already built in the way someone else liked them Mm -hmm. and are pretty expensive. Yeah, sure. You know, so so if I'm looking at a project, if I'm going to go redo half of it anyway, I don't want to pay premium finished bike prices. I can find something that's halfway done and I can finish it the way I want for a yeah. lot less and then also have a daily on the side for about the same money of buying the big one in the first place. Well, there's something to be said, though, about buying a bike that is perfectly reliable as it is. Yeah. That you don't need to do anything. It is done. It may not be the restored or modified that to the level that you're talking, but knowing that everything is good. I agree. That you can see and that you ride it and it feels good. You're not going to have any surprises. Because if you find a bike that's half done and you can't even ride it, you maybe it doesn't even start, there's a lot of variables in there of what else might be going on or that you're going to have to invest into before you even get to the point of doing the modifications that you really want to have. I agree. I mean, that that's what the Scrambler was for me. It was perfectly reliable, brand new, off the shelf, and then... Between when I was paying payments on it and between having it paid off and just what was left over to use on it, it was either a matter of it, it became too expensive to modify or, you know, it was just so reliable and so ready to go that I didn't want to go chopping up the subframe and doing some of these extreme cases because I just, whether it's just being risk averse or whatever it is, I was riding it so much that I didn't want it to be down for three weeks while I yeah. cut, painted, welded, you know, did everything I needed to be do to do that right. Right. I didn't want that three weeks off the bike. I wanted to, to keep riding in those off times. So if you know if that means I end up with just a very reliable project bike for a good deal, that's great. And I will ride it for these first couple big rides of the season, take some time, work on it, and kind of schedule that out. Mm-hmm. If that means I just get a very reliable, low-cost machine to ride daily and then have a project that I'm constantly working on, also sounds like a great option. So it'll kind of depend on what comes available on the... Uh, you know, between Craigslist and Facebook and OfferUp and yeah. Cycle Trader, you know, I'm kind of watching everything, and it depends what comes up. If there's some good deals, then you know, by all means, I'll just have the one bike that can do both. Okay. If all I can find at a good deal is is fairly, you know, bikes that need some restoration, need some work, then I'll pick up just your commonly good deal. You know, 
VFR, FZ1. There's a lot of very good street machines. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, right now, some of those just mid middleweight Japanese, not necessarily touring, but sport touring maybe is a better way to to brand them. Some mm-hmm. machines of that sort. A VFR 800, okay. FZ1. Um, kind of sometimes I end up in the uh, SV650, SV1000, okay. Bandit 1200. Some of those, you know, basically... Seven to to eleven hundred bikes. That that middleweight range, whether it's a twin, a, a triple, or a, a four cylinder, it really doesn't matter to okay. me. Because I mean, you've even mentioned Nighthawk at times. Yep, so Nighthawk seven fifty. Yeah, uh, has come up. That that's one I'd really like to do a project out of. Just the reliability of that engine. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect. I, I know I'm not the only one to say this, and many other people have made builds off of them. But that that power plant's so reliable that it sounds like an awesome project. It's just a, a tube frame. You can do whatever you want with it. You can add whatever pieces you can make fit. It's such a simple skeleton to start with, with really good guts, that if you want to do all of the outside components the way you want, you end up with a very reliable custom. Yeah. So I like that idea. The problem is a, a perfectly reliable one that's ready to be daily now is generally in the upper prices of that project where you can find some that need just not minimal work, but enough work that I'm more than willing to do significantly less expensive but it wouldn't be ready for the trip coming up in a month right i mean i just gotta say this if you ended up with a honda we have one resident super honda fan ken that would be super stoked to have another honda fan even if it's not a dirt bike so just just a heads up i know you're gonna you're probably gonna get a big hug if you buy one i give him so much crap about it not buying his (laughs) ktm or his yamaha and I'll, I'll, I'll get it all right back the second I buy a Honda. But truth be told, you know, Honda, Suzuki, all, all four, Cowie and, and Yamaha are just crazy reliable. And maintenance costs are so inexpensive that that's kind of, you know, I, I love the Scrambler, but the, the Triumph parts are expensive. Yeah. Well, and you also, you came from the world of jeeping where yep. you could spend a ton of money and there's a lot more involved to that sport, that activity recreation as opposed to getting onto the motorcycle world where you know you yeah. got about half of everything or, or less it's a great point yeah that so know, everything seems relatively it felt cheaper. like oh this is less yeah. expensive and then i kind of got into it and found out well turns out you know european motorcycles similar to european cars are a little more expensive to maintain yeah you know start seeing some of my buddies with these yamahas and hondas and look at their you know oil even oil change prices of less than half the cost yeah for oil change and i was doing you know Two, sometimes three in a year with the miles I was putting on that bike, which if you're yeah. just doing your one annual oil change, it doesn't really matter. But when it's three a year, you know, 40 bucks extra adds up pretty quick, you know. That's, yeah, well, and you were also getting quality. You were doing everything per the manual. You were yep. using it was the a new bike. OEM I loved it. filters. I mean, everything. A used bike doesn't have that same love that I saw it be born in my hands. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a used bike, someone else birthed it, and they've already done the damage, so whatever. Just keep running what they ran, and it'll keep going. But yeah, I saw that from birth and refused to deviate from what the doctor recommended. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You had a lot of love for, for the that. new owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. No, it is. Yeah, they got a really good bike. That's kind of awesome. a double-edged sword for me. Yeah. That I could trust it, but I also felt like it was really expensive. Yeah. Well, so on the topic <laughs> of used bikes, you know, you were just mentioning you're probably going to have to do something for them. You're going to have to do some sort of maintenance. I mean, it could be really reliable, but it might need a few things. And one of those things is tires. Yeah, we talked about having a discussion on tires today. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, we've kind of gotten into more of this Brad and I having a, a debate back and forth about nonsense in the yeah. last few apps and decided let's bring it back to something technical maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe we decided today we'll, we'll see if you can get tired of tires. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Brad. I appreciate that. I, I, I pushed it hard, and I'm glad someone laughed. Hopefully, someone else did too. Uh, no one can see the the bashful, uh, you know, bashful shame that's on my face after saying that joke. My kids will appreciate it. That's good. But uh, no, I thought I, I agree with you. Let, let's 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 have a discussion on tires. Okay. Because I think whether you own a bike and you're riding it daily, or however often you are, whether you're looking at used bikes. Or whether you're even looking at new bikes, tires are a topic that can be both incredibly exciting and fun because they change a lot about your bike. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Or they can be incredibly stressful because your life is in the hands of that tire, of those two tires. You know, a car, you lose a tire and oh well. Slow it down, bring it to the side of the road and move on. Right. On a bike, you've got you a lose spare a, with you as well. Yeah, and you generally have a spare. On a bike, you lose a tire and you're on the ground. Yeah. I mean, depending on There's the a lot conditions, of variables in that. Yeah. Sure. You can, you can slowly lose air, get off the side, patch it, fix it, get to somewhere where you can replace it. There's lots of variables in there, but in general, if you blow out a tire on a bike, you're going down. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case with a car. So there's, you know, incredible importance to understanding your tire, mm-hmm. but also can be incredibly fun to understand what different tires can do for your bike. Sure. Because that's where literally the rubber meets the road on your bike performance. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to get those tires on and you're going to feel a difference from, uh, well, let's just, I guess we'll start with stories, right? Story time here, but with the Scrambler. Okay. Came with those Battle Wing tires. They were not very well rated. If you look online, people are not happy with those tires, myself included. Didn't know, really know better when I bought the Scrambler. They looked all right. Okay. Um, but, you know, rode those for the first about, what, 10, 15, no, not quite, 10 to 12, probably 12,000 12, miles. Okay. I replaced them. Um, granted, I think at 10, I replaced them with a buddy set that was at 50% um, because I had them given to me and thought it's cheaper to just throw on new tires than to go buy new, throw on used tires from a friend than buy new ones. Sure. Um, finally put on some Anarchy 3s. On the scrambler, mm-hmm. because I found myself just doing a lot more road, in sure. fact, all road, yeah. than I thought I would. Um, and the handling on the street was just—it was a different bike. That thing woke up and was so much fun to corner on. Suddenly, the lean just was confidence-inspiring. Mm-hmm. You could feel that it was sticking to the road when you lean it hard. You could feel that it was really riding well. Whereas the battle wings would feel fine going straight. And then the dirt had a lot more confidence. I took the Anarchies on gravel and dirt, mm-hmm. and they were a little more slippy. Okay. But, you know, they, you cornered on those those uh, trail wings, and they just didn't feel right. So what were they rated? Were they a 50-50 or what? I think they're considered technically an 80-20. Okay. Now, that, that's a good point. We'll get into that a little more, but there's different types of tires, right? You can get your, your off-road tires. Mm-hmm. You can get your adventure tires. You can get a touring tire, a street tire. Cruisers and uh, and a track tire. Yeah, there's basically yeah. five different tires. There's there's little there's you know, tons some of some run in that's between a good there. Spectrum. Yeah. There's basically five. You got your dirt that's really not rated for road at all. Your fifty fifty adventure tire. Yeah, which could be 50-50. Those ratings are generally street then dirt. So ninety ten oh, okay. is ninety percent street, ten percent dirt. Sure. Yeah, fifty fifty is half of each. Um, you know, so they, I think those ones were eighty twenties. So 80% street, but they, you know, you'd hit a corner, especially in, in any kind of a wet-ish condition, and we live in the Northwest, that's most mornings, mm-hmm. whether it's raining or not, the roads are a little moist, mm-hmm. I know people love that word, uh, in the mornings, but, uh, you know, and you could feel, not wobble, but mush is probably the best way to verbally describe it. Just the, the bike felt mushy when you were more than, you know, when you were somewhat aggressively turning and from somewhat aggressive to aggressive okay you could feel it kind of squish out Mm. squish out i'm trying to describe it verbally but the bike did not feel planted so there was some give in that tire side not necessarily sidewall but the outer treads okay because they were made to kind of grip in the gravel and warp around things. I, I don't know the full technology of those battle wings and why this was the case. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not the only one to say this because once I noticed it, I looked it up and their forums are filled with people saying the same thing. Okay. And then you look at the Anarchies and you end up with a tire that they really corners significantly better. It's got a, I guess it's a little less tall sidewall. Okay. Um, but it, when you're hitting those corners, it, it just, it's solid. It doesn't give, it doesn't wobble, it doesn't mush. That's the word I'm using a lot, but it really keeps the the tire feeling planted. Now, is there a difference in the dome? I mean, because that's another aspect of yeah. a lot of these tires, right? That's a great so, point. Uh, like an off-road tire is probably going to, you know, be a little bit more pointed. So when you get into it, it's able to lean quicker potentially. Um, is that something that you noticed was different? I can't fully remember when new. Truth be told, I know we're having story time, so I didn't do research on this, but uh, when I got the, the <laughs> tires, I, 
I didn't. I don't remember how how flat the surface was. The the actual the actual contact patch. But the Anakis are very rounded. I mean, they were okay. they cornered like a dream. That was a big difference as well. As I threw those on. Granted, I had already had twelve thousand miles on the battle wings, so they had already had a good flat spot already created on that rear tire. But you throw those Anakis on and corner, and it just wanted to go into every corner, side to side, flow through those corners, jump in and out. It, it was it was a world of difference putting okay. those on. And so, kind of getting to that conversation, that the, the kind of tire that, that that's one of the part of tires that's really fun. Is you can have a bike that may or may not be set up for a certain style of tire, right? You can have a dual sport or a dirt bike, mm-hmm. and you can throw supermoto tires on it, and suddenly that thing is just phenomenal on the track because mm-hmm. you've got slick tires basically that are just curved and round and want to cut in and out of corners real fast. Mm-hmm. Which is a very different ride style than the bike came with naturally. Now, I guess before we get too deep into tires, I'm sure that you'll want to say the same thing. But you know, we are not necessarily tire manufacturers. Or experts or engineers of tires, and don't do anything stupid and kill yourself because what we say worked on one bike or has worked for people may not be the right thing for your bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not responsible for anybody doing some crazy match or crazy tire change that kills themselves or hurts themselves. Right. So, uh, tires, like I said, is a two-edged sword. You can you can have a ton of fun playing with different tire types and tire sizes and tire functionality. You can also kill yourself by using the wrong tire. Right. So if you don't know or you're not confident with your decision, definitely err on the side of safety. Yeah, well, I think generally one should just use the tire size that came with the bike. You start messing with different size tires, front and rear, it definitely changes the dynamics of the bike. And anytime you're going to use something different, even a new type of tire, even if it's the same size, same pressure and everything else, to take caution when you get onto the road because it's going to feel different. You yourself, even with your story time, stated it was a different feel. And now it was going from one spectrum to a lot better on roads. So you could definitely tell when you'd get into the corners that it was more planted through the corners and on straight stretches and everything else, I'm sure. Yeah, the general rule of thumb, especially if you're not in the expertise or if you're not prepared to really replace your tire quickly if it doesn't work is to follow the tire tire size load speed rating everything that your manufacturer recommends just go ahead and replace it yeah right if you're not comfortable playing with it and if you're not confident and don't want to go and replace that immediately because your decision to go a little bit off of what they said wasn't a good choice if you're not prepared to go ahead and buy another set immediately Mm -hmm. don't do it because you you can yeah Uh, it worked really well on the scrambler Granted, I could find a lot of reports of other people that chose similar options and played with the tires. Right. Triumph does a great job with the Bonneville series to make it a very versatile bike, and that's one of the reasons you can throw different tires on. Um, but it becomes, you know, something that can be very scary and concerning. I mean, you'll get wobble on the bike, you'll get weird wear patterns, you can get a bike that just rides unstably because you've put maybe a bias ply up front and a radial radio ply up back. Um, or vice versa, but we'll get into kind of some of the specifics uh, on on tire pressure. There's a couple things, or tires themselves, a couple things I wanted to go over for background, and by all means, Brad, throw throw whatever you've got in as well. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about was tires. All tires have sidewall riding. Okay. There's some some That's a good start. Yeah. Different different items in the sidewall. You're going to get your size, which is a, generally a ratio, like a 130 by 90 means it's 130 millimeters across the tread. Mm-hmm. And then your 90 is 90% of that is your height. Okay. So it's a percentage yeah. of tread width is your height, just so everybody kind of has a background on that. Um, you will sometimes just get simple inch-rated tires, other things. Some of the off-road bikes are that yeah, way. KLR is that way. You yeah. can find tires with other ratings. They're generally much simpler. The most complicated is the ratio-based tire size, I think. Mm-hmm. Still not that complicated, but it's not as simple as... That's a 15 by 30 inch tire, similar to vehicle, right? Right. Well, and I think you get a little bit more information when you start talking about this metric rating system that you've brought up with ratios. Because on my KLR, let's say on the sidewall, it says 4 inch 17 rim. That's all I'm getting. I'm not getting a ratio of my height height. uh, or anything else. I'm just getting this as the standard. So each manufacturer could be a little bit different in what that means. Yes, that's a great point. Yeah. That ratio, even if it's 130 by 90 from Michelin to Bridgestone, 
mm-hmm. might be fairly different, enough to really throw off your bike. Mm-hmm. So if it requires, you know, an Anarchy 3 and you throw on a Bridgestone Rattle Wing, it could be such a different ratio even in that simple millimeter because of the crown, because of the shape of that tire, because of that roundness, how they measure that may not be straight across, it may not be quite the same. The curvature can throw it off. There's different things. You're right. They right. can change from one manufacturer to another. So it's something to be very aware of. Yeah. Just a simple ratio doesn't necessarily mean that the other manufacturer's tire fits either, even though it's the same size. Um, of course, you'll then have your radial, generally an R insignia at the end of that, if it's a radial tire. Okay. If yeah. it has nothing, it's bias ply. And if it has a B, it's actually a separate form of bias ply that's a little more hefty, generally for like a load rating. Okay. You'll get an actual B bias ply rated tire on a lot of large cruisers because they end up generally holding more weight. Mm-hmm. So the tire is set up for that. Uh, and then finally, you'll generally have a speed rating and a load rating, which are often just letters. Um, you can look up anywhere. We're not going to go over all the available options of what those mean. Yeah. But if you just Google motorcycle tire speed rating or load rating, you'll find what each one means. But just be aware that those letter letters and or numbers at the end equate to how heavy, how much weight you can put on each tire and or how fast that tire is allowed to go in miles per hour of your bike. So generally, not even generally, I would say pretty hard rule, never buy a tire with a less load rating or speed rating than the manufacturer has already established. Usually the manufacturers will cheap out on their tires for the lowest cost tire they can throw on a brand new bike. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions to that where manufacturers do a great job, but usually it's the worst tire you can get. You don't want to go worse. Right. Your bike uh, you know, won't handle it. And maybe as a side note as well, just because you put a higher load-rated tire, pay attention to your GVWR on well, your bike. Yeah. And I know you're saying worse, but really what they're doing is they're just putting in the minimum. The bare minimum. They're going to yeah. give you the bare minimum of what they have confidence in for that setup that they have on that bike and what they anticipate the bike is going to be doing. If you're going to be doing any more than that, if you're going to be riding any faster, you're going to be loading it up more, right? That's where those ratings really come into play. And you're saying, don't you, don't go any lower than what don't, they have. You don't go any lower. And just because you put, you know, a better load rating tire on there doesn't mean you can load that's your bike right. more. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Your subframe is built to a certain weight. Your, your bike is made to carry. If you do that and then load it down to the tire rating, you will find another weak point that will upset you more. Yeah. You, you won't be happy. <laughs> You're going to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, the final thing that, that you'll kind of see is there's often a service description at the end of all that, and that is manufacturer-specific. So you can contact any representative from those manufacturers, and they can tell you if you need to know. But some of them relate to being bias ply. Some of them have a load range and speed range definition behind them that's a little more specific. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to have a load range of more than 96 miles per hour on certain ratings, Maybe theirs is 98, and that mm-hmm. service insignia or description helps them clarify that, hey, in a legal situation, you went 96 because that was your bike's top speed and you went down. Technically, we were actually rated to 98, so guaranteed not our tire, right? So some of those will just be, if you want to know, often it's not critical unless you're really picking a tire for your bike to the edge of its capability. If you're doing a custom build and you're pushing limits, you might want to know the service route. Right. Service ratings. Well, service and what we're talking ratings. about today is mostly just standard replacement. Yeah. We're not really getting into customization because that's no. a whole other topic. But I mean, but at the same point, I would I would argue that when you're picking a new tire, you are doing a customization. When you can throw 50-50 tires on most bikes, and if it's the same size and rating, you'll get different street and dirt characteristics. Mm-hmm. But if that's the look you're looking for, by all means, you know. Do it. You're going to wear it. We'll get into that. Well, I think it's more important. Not, I mean, look is definitely that aspect. And it depends on how you're going to be riding it. I think that's almost more critical. And we can get into that a little bit later, potentially. I think there's some other opportunities for that discussion. Look is but just side critical. profile that, and what it says on there. I mean, you've named a, yeah. a large portion of that. But you also have uh, PSI rating, max PSI yep. rating at a certain temperature. And then... And I, just to... Clarify what you said, max PSI. Yes. I, I know it's not uncommon for people in cars. I don't... Most people I know with motorcycles understand a motorcycle, but I know people with cars that think that's your recommended PSI rating. So it's yeah. important to note that you said max. Yes. Well, I, I emphasize when that. When it says 63 PSI and your bike says 40, stick with one or two PSI above what your bike does. That's a safe rule mm-hmm. is add a couple PSI to your bike's rating because over time, over a couple of weeks, you're going to lose one or two PSI 
and you can be safe on that one or two above. I think it depends. If, if I'm going to be at the point of just, if I'm going to be checking my tire pressure like I should be, especially, you know, daily? Uh, whether it's daily or, <laughs> well, or weekly, whatever that is, some interval, there needs to be an interval. It's not set it and go and then forget no. about it. Because putting in the one to two PSI can be a good rule of thumb, but really the big thing is you just need to be checking it. Because sure. that safety net of two PSI isn't anything in the event no. of a leak. As a safety net, no, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as a safety net for temperature range, I think it's good. Right. I highly recommend going a little above what they say mm-hmm. because it keeps that correct contact patch, even if it's a cold, cold day or the roads are really cold and your tires aren't aren't warming up like they should be. Right. Well, we're talking from the northwest as well. Exactly. Where we so have I generally throw ranges. You know, two, three, sometimes five, depending on the bike or the tire, above the rating mm-hmm. for my vehicle because I know that it's going to be a cold morning. Right. Every morning. Well, and you have visuals, too, if there's any anything going on yep. because of the pressure. But the big thing is is that the manufacturers really do know what that needs to be, especially even on different tires, to stick with what the manufacturer says and not what the tire says as a max Correct. PSI. Yep. Anyway, yes. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. That's all I was getting at. No, all right. <laughs> I don't know anything else. No. Well, the other big important one is, the, and you and I talked about this recently because I bought tires for yeah, a really old dirt right bike. Is there's a, a DOT date, uh, DOT code in total, but the last three or four digits will be a date code on there. Mm-hmm. And age matters a lot, especially on motorcycle tires. It matters on any tire, but motorcycle tires are a very specific compound to be sticky and have a very small credit card sized contact patch that can't slip because that's the only thing holding you up. Um, and so that age matters. Once that starts to harden and lose some of its traction, you're in trouble. And generally, the, on newer tires that are newer than 2,000, it'll be a four-digit. The last four digits after the DOT will be two digits for the week, two digits for the year. Mm-hmm. And that's an important note when you're buying new tires or you're looking at a bike, that you know, a used bike, and they say they just threw new tires on it. You can quickly look at that and say, hey, these are eight-year-old tires, mm-hmm. not new. You know, you, you can see that very quickly on the tires of a bike and know what you're putting on, how old that rubber is. Uh, if it's three digits, it means it's prior to 2000. You should probably change them anyway because they're yeah. 19 years old. And I would say in no case ever should you have 19-year-old tires running on the street. Well, the tires keep continue to off-gas. And I think that's one of the things, especially with the tire that's sat in a factory. If it's sat somewhere where it can get hot and cold and hot and cold, yep. it goes through this cycle where it actually starts to stiffen up the tires compound. And then you run into issues. So even though you had tires on and maybe you put on the same exact tires again... If those tires have been through that heat cycling, you could actually be putting on tires that perform worse out the off the you know out sure. of the box onto your new bike, and you think that you're ready to rip, and it's not going to feel the same, and you're putting yourself in a situation for hazardous uh, riding conditions. Sure, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. That uh, that age is is important to pay attention to. Uh, what is the rule of thumb? Typically seven years. I think I'd seen something like that. Five years is commonly your check them often point. Okay. Right? If, if you've got more than five years on your tires, you need to keep a good eye on them. Not just tire pressure in your normal daily checks, but add to your daily checks any cracking. And not just a glance, but look around the whole tire. Look at the tread for any cuts, any separation at all. Yeah, after five years is when you want to really be vigilant and vigilant. 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 That's the word I'm looking for. Vigilant yeah. or vigilant? It's a good word. <laughs> Man, it's one of those days to be uh, vigilant in, uh, in checking your tires to make sure you don't have any problems. Yeah. Ten years is pretty much uh, you should get rid of them range. Mm-hmm. There's always wiggle room everywhere, but I I wouldn't have a tire more than ten years old on a bike. Right, and it depends on where it's going to be. If you're going to have it in a nice garage, it's going to be in a maybe maybe yep. not conditioned garage, but it's going to be well taken care of. It's not sitting in the sun and the shade and the sun and the shade or out in the weather the whole time where you're going to have UV checking and other things going on. I mean, all of those things play into yep. that. So I think that's a good rule of thumb. You should be looking at your tires regardless and seeing sure. if there's anything going on, looking at the pressure, looking at the tread. Is it wearing as you anticipate? There's a lot of things to take into consideration. I'm just going to be controversial and say if, if you can make 10 years on a tire, you're not riding enough anyway. Okay. And that's get out, fair. Get out and ride more. Okay. That's a good excuse. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm generally a one-year percent guy. That'll change depending on the bike I get, but... Ten years is long. I can't even imagine making ten years on ten thousand miles on a bike. 
That's yeah. It's not that's fair. That's fair. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, if if you are someone who stores a lot and it's in a nice place, you might pull ten years. But five years start looking pretty closely. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you're you've said it a couple times. Daily checks or whatever your cadence is, daily is recommended. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go any more than weekly. Checking your tire pressure and and looking at it and just. Just a quick visual glance. Make sure you don't see a nail or a screw or a separation. Or last thing you want to do is go down because you missed a simple thing on your pre-check for thirty seconds worth of glancing. Right. That would really ruin your day for just waste. You know, saving yourself thirty seconds to spend a week in the hospital. The uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up with just basic background is when you're buying a new tire, break-in period is incredibly important. I know that they'll tell you that at most shops if you put them on, but your first 60 miles at least those tires are generally need a little time to warm up a little time to get rid of that kind of outer layer and you need time to get used to the new dynamics of that new tire yeah i think that's the biggest came off of yeah ran different even if it's the same tire you went from a well-worn version of the same exact tire putting a fresh one on it rides and handles different sure so the tire needs some time to just be ready for the road and make sure that there's no residuals on it and yeah. you need time to be used to the new tire feel. Don't go cornering hard. Don't go doing something stupid, you know, two miles out of a brand new tire because it's not going to hold that corner like you thought it would. Mm-hmm. Never does it. You got to get used to that. I mean, even we talked about it with the new bike buying. You got to get used to a new bike. You got to, if you change anything, get used to it before you push it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just your life's not worth it. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I think it brings in, you know, if you bring in a new tire, you got to break it in, I mean, and it's got to warm up, right? You're, that's kind of one yep. thing that I want to narrow in on is I've heard people have the debate that you should just put a track tire on. You get super sticky tires, they work really good on the track, then they've got to be awesome on the road. I think the issue there, one of them is the warm-up time and how critical it is to wait for that, especially on a track tire, as opposed to a sport touring tire or a sport tire where they're made to perform at a cool, colder temperature so you can actually get out. You're going to be in traffic. You're going to be stop and go. It's not like you're on a track and you're riding around for a lap, and then you can rip on it, and it's going to stay up to temperature. When you're out on a lot of these conditions around town or even on the back roads, you're going to be stopping, going, whatever the case may be, and so that uh, tire temperature is, uh, is more critical to be concerned with. So you can't just run with a track tire on the streets. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, even even your street tires, it's important to warm them up. I right. mean, I've known people, even recently, that have gone down with due to some emergency that could have been avoided if the tire had a little bit more heat in it and could grip a little bit better. Wouldn't have been such a bad fall. Sure. Um, so, yeah, all tires need to warm up, but you're right. I, w- I would just say 100% don't ride track tires on the street anyway. Yeah, I think Warm you need to be cold. buying tires that are suited for the kind of conditions that you're sure. going to be riding in. Sure. And I know that we were talking look just a little bit ago, and that a knobby tire can look super awesome on a bike, and we see it more and more. But if you're going to be doing a lot of touring, you're going to be around sure. town, you're going to be ripping through some corners, you're going to be actually riding that bike hard, so, sure, the tire can do it to some extent. I do it on my KLR, but it's not well suited for it. And so you're setting yourself up. For unnecessary risks. Sure. No, and I, I mean, I'm the guy proposing that if you want a cool tire, figure out if it'll work and play with it, right? Do it quietly, carefully, make sure you're paying attention and that you've got something safe and that you can handle and ride with. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm a huge fan of putting the cool, making your bike look like you want it to look. I think a bike, and this is getting off of tires a little bit, but a car is a tool. A motorcycle is an extension of yourself. I think it depends on the car, but sure. Sure. And there are people, yeah. And I've had cars that I've loved and put just as much love and effort into. Yeah. But at the same point, very few motorcycle riders I know use it as a tool. There are some, and that's fine. And I kudos on them. Right. But I, I find that it is kind of my toy and it is an extension of me and I want it to look like what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. So looks are important. But I went with the Anarchy 3 95.5 tires for my Scrambler with tubed tires because I was on the street and riding hard on corners and found that, yeah, an 80-20, a 90-10, they're just not street aggressive enough. Right. And they were somewhat dangerous because of the way I was riding. Right. And I couldn't ride the way I wanted to because of that. I wanted to carve corners a little more with friends. I wanted to be a little more aggressive on the street. And so I, you're right. 
the first thing you need to look at when you're picking a tire, I agree with you, is how are you going to ride it? Mm-hmm. If you're going to ride intermittently and you're going to ride, you know, locally and you're going to ride calm, then it probably doesn't matter what you pick. I mean, it does. As long as it fits and is safe for your bike, it matters. But it doesn't matter the styling, you know. If you're going to pick knobbies over a street tire for something you're just going to go down to the cafe every third Saturday for, right? you're going to put, you know, if you're going to make it 10 years on a set of tires because you don't ride enough, then who cares? You're not going to burn through a set of tires. Right. You're not going to lose a lot of safety because you're not riding aggressive. You're not pushing any tire you put on to its limit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're if you're a corner carver on the weekends and you're riding hard with your sport bike friends on your Indian Scout, then don't put knobbies on that tire because you're if if you're going to try to keep up, your chances of going down are so much greater. Right, you're right, right. you're right. And pay attention. I mean, it's important to consider if you're going to be riding in a rainy climate, you're going to either get caught in the rain or you're going to be uh, riding regularly as a commuter. And this is still an extension of yourself, but it's going to be there. Make sure you're getting ratings, uh, tires that are rated for being able to ride in a little bit of rain. Uh, And as well as like even on some gravel, not so much gravel roads, but roads that you know are going to have a lot of gravel on the shoulder, that should be taken into consideration. It depends on the condition of the roads you're going to be riding on, too, as to the kind of tires that you should be putting on the bike. Now, similarly, if you've got a street tire and you want to go do the Moki Dugway down in southern Utah, Mm -hmm. or you want to go up a gravel road to your buddy's house, you can do that. But you're just not going to do it at an aggressive pace. Well, you have to understand the limitations yep. of your setup. Not just of the tires, but of the bike itself, of you as a rider. Yes. Because the right kind of rider can take those tires and they understand, they feel the bike. They're in tune with what it's doing. And they can make a bike that you wouldn't even imagine in these certain conditions ride like a dream. So it just depends on the limitations of you and your bike. That's fair. I just wanted to point out that you don't, I agree. You don't have to be afraid of gravel. Take it slow, learn it, be calm, and any bike can do a little bit of hard pack gravel. It's not not the end of the world. I, we took a group three years ago on the Slacker Moto ride, did the Southern Utah trip, and up the Moki Dugway had you know three cruisers and two sport bikes basically, and and you know me and the Scrambler. Except one of the cruisers was an avid dirt bike rider, and I couldn't shake him. He was behind me the whole time, and I was yeah. impressed. And yeah. the little, Shadow 750, <laughs> running up this dirt road with me, up switchbacks. It was it was great. We had a great time, but some people were nervous, and that's fine. Yeah. Nobody was pushing them to go any faster. Yeah. There's no limitations. Go slower. Good, went, had fun and went faster. Those that were not comfortable just went slow as they felt comfortable. Yeah. We all made it. We all saw great views and had a good time. So well, that's a big point. No one went the down. group that you're with when you're riding... Uh, you, you need to feel comfortable with them, and everybody needs to understand that each person is at a different level in different conditions. And that's one thing that's great about sure. our group is that they're okay with you doing what you're you're comfortable with. Nobody wants to push you. I mean, everybody wants to help you grow, but nobody's going to be putting you in a situation where it's potentially hazardous. Sure. No, I agree. Anyway, sorry, we've we've gotten slightly off topic, but we do that. Yeah, <laughs> that does happen. It's a staple here, man. It's mostly tires. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to go over that are kind of your your bad and worse situations as well. I know we're kind of running up on our hour, but, um, you know, that that if, we, if you're looking at a bike, because uh, I'm kind of, the reason this came to mind for me when we said we were talking tires, I thought of, hey, oh, looking at used bikes. Yeah. What do you look for in the tires? Because yeah. that's basically... You can tell if a bike's running good enough to ride you home after you buy it. Okay, well. And fire it up and riding it and getting up to speed, you can tell if you're safe to go home yeah. for the most part. Okay. There, there's probably a few hidden things that can be snuck I'll in let you or, run or with whatever, this. Yeah. But for the most part, mechanically, you can tell if you're going to get home. But are you going to get home safely is 100% dependent sure. on brakes and tires. Okay. We're not talking brakes. You can check that. You can look at the pads. You yeah, can feel a breakdown. Like you can pull over, but any of these other things at, happen. You look can look at brakes. You can you can figure those out pretty quick. But tires are not so simple to just look at them and say, "Yep, they're there. They're not bald. Let's move forward." Which is kind of what people do with cars. Yeah, tire they'll kickers. Look, yeah, they'll look. They'll say, "Okay, there's some tread. Let's go." Yeah, and you'll end up with crack sight. But in a car, it's not life and death as much as it is on a right, bike. Like you started, yeah. So, yeah. So, it's important to understand that, you know, what to look for. And a couple, a couple of things I look for that would probably get me home, but I would replace immediately are things like if there's been a repair. You can look and see if it's had a plug put in. You can look and see 
kind of that, that whole tread, look all the way around and see if there's ever been repairs. Okay. But if it's been repaired and it's holding air, mm-hmm. chances are you can make it home, depending on the repair. I would also go ahead, I'll get into the worst later, but one of those that we'll talk about is large repairs mm-hmm. or something that I would not consider riding home. Okay. And you can see that when you look at them. Um, if you see uneven wear to the point of, you know, maybe cupped front tire, mm-hmm. um, if you see you know, maybe a flat spot on the rear tire, just your normal wear mm-hmm. of, of you riding, but maybe uneven to one side or the other. Or even uneven or just tread. completely, not so much bald, but you could tell that on the outer edges of it that it's... Maybe it's scrubbing. It's scrubbing or doing something else. Yeah. yeah. Then it's enough that if the tire's still good and in good condition, I wouldn't ride it aggressively, but I would be able to ride it home. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, you know, I talked about the cupped front tire wear. And that's something I don't know if a lot of people, when I had the Scrambler, people would ask, my rear tire was getting pretty flat in the first tire. People would ask me about the front tire being cupped. And I was not looking, I was looking for what I would expect in a vehicle, in a, in a four-wheeled vehicle. Okay. Kind of a, a dome or a... A concave or a convex dome, both mm-hmm. in or out, on the tire. On the front, you know, the very surface, the contact surface of that tire, is it cupped in or out? And that is not what... Uh, it wasn't. It was good when my first rear tire. So I replaced that rear tire and bought the front tire, but hung on to it. And no more than a thousand miles later, it started turning funny, and I looked at the front tire in a very, you know, big picture way... Didn't sure. stare at it so closely looking for that cupping, but kind of stood over the front bars and looked at it and noticed it kind of makes a, a mountainous shape where you end up with cupping on both sides of the contact patch where right. it's almost cupped in, right? You've got your side wall and then you've got your tread, which is supposed to be basically a semicircle. Mm-hmm. And instead of being a semicircle, you kind of cup in, have your outer circle and in again on the other side. Kind of like a W. Yeah, more or less, somewhat of a W. It's hard to describe on, on in conversation, but it, you'll know it when you see it. That you kind of have these two worn patches on either side of your contact patch, mm-hmm. where it's rubbing more there. And that I learned that kind of people were talking about. It, I didn't fully understand what people meant with cup front tires or worn front tire due to due to wear, normal wear. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was riding funny. It just was a worn out front tire. The front tread had plenty of tread depth. Yeah. Wasn't having it did it looked fine. If you look at it just your straight logical is this tire good? And if I were going in a straight line, it would have never had a problem. Sure. But every time I turned it was wearing worse and worse. So I had to replace that pretty quick. Um but at the same point if I bought a, a bike and it had plenty of tread wear, you know, plenty of tread depth left, but had that cupping like it had been taken on a lot of corners, then I would probably still ride it home and then get it replaced following mm-hmm. that. A couple of the items, though, that I would worry about and probably would just load up into a trailer or a truck would be, obviously, if it's not holding air, you can't ride it home. Yeah. Right? If you've got a large puncture, and generally a quarter inch is the rule. If it's anything more than a screw or a nail, if there's anything else going on that, you know, put a, a gash in it or any other reason for a larger puncture or a very large screw, it shouldn't be repaired. Okay. And if it was repaired, the chances of that repair coming out due to the pressure of that single tire are pretty high. It's a dangerous game. Yeah. You're really running a risk there. Uh, if you see a lot of weather checking and cracking, basically the old tire, you can look at the tire date on it and mm-hmm. see how old it is. If it's not old, it tells you a lot more about the bike anyway because it's mm-hmm. probably sitting outside and in weeds for however long, for a short period of time, enough to wear the tires out. Uh, of course, bald tires are not safe in any world. The second you hit anything remotely slick, you will go down. Okay. Um, that that wear depth is very important. Seeing steel bands tire. is an issue. Steel bands is one thousand percent an issue. <laughs> you don't even have to have anything slick. The steel band is your slick surface at that point. Yeah, more traction. Yeah, the tire is your slick surface that you go down on. Um, and then, of course, if you ride it, you know, take a bike for a ride. If you get any noises or vibrations yeah. that feel That's tire cool. related, not safe to ride. Even if it doesn't happen until after sixty five. That's going to come on down, and that's going to get you. Well, a new bike as well. I mean, you're apt to push it unintentionally. Sure. You're not used to what it feels like at those speeds as well. So those are kind of some of the things I thought about just in my world right now of looking at used bikes. What do I care about on tires right now? Yeah. And those were kind of my, my bad and worst situation of chances are what I look at, unless it's just had a fresh set of tires on it, that I'm going to find some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And those are my, you know, do I bring the truck? Yes. Do I ride the bike home anyway? Only if it's only moderately bad. If it gets into that worst case scenario, it's just not worth wrecking a new bike I just bought or hurting myself in the process. 
just because of, you know, a $120 tire. Yeah. It's cheap, cheap insurance. A good tire is cheap insurance. Anything else you wanted to add, Brad? I know we've kind of gone over a lot of information, but... Yeah, I just say stay safe. I think the biggest thing that you said is anytime you get on a new bike or new tires, to take some time to see how it feels, to learn the bike. And then once you understand its capabilities and know your limitations, then you can start pushing it a little bit more, carving into those corners a little bit harder and taking it to the next level. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Tires, bike, the whole whole shebang. Yeah. Make sure you're not riding outside of your capability. Just because your buddy's on a leader bike going faster than he should around a corner doesn't mean you need to try to keep up. Not only because of your tires, but if it's not where you're comfortable, don't do it. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate uh, everybody's time. It's been fun to, to do this. We'll try to bring in a new topic every week and, and get a little more technical on this. Uh, and uh, after this point, we're, the conversation here is we're going to start going weekly. So we appreciate everybody that's been supporting us. Yeah. Uh, really, it looks like whether we're being shared or found naturally, I'm not sure. But but it, it looks like we're growing, and we really appreciate that support yeah, and the love we're seeing. And, uh, you know, we hope to see more interaction from anybody, you know, from anyone that wants to write us anything or request, chat, whatever. You can see find us at slackermoto.com slash radio, slackermotoradio.com. All those locations you can find us, and uh, we'd love to chat and, and get to know you better. Otherwise, uh, looking forward to next week. If you want to help us out at all, we've got our, our Patreon page. Um, kind of got that set up a little bit, and we're working on getting more and more into that. By all means, let us know what you'd like to see, and we'll work with you. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we hope to see you next week. Until then, ride on. Mm-hmm.